destination. Hopefully my son can throw better than a uh, backup wide receiver like Lamar Jackson. But apparently Dak can float your boat. I don't know. I just think that's funny. He's tall, he's handsome, and he's good at football. I'm talking about Josh Allen. Minus two for saying that you were a... Titans uh, fan there for a second. Uh, I'm not a fan. Two on that. Mine's two. You need to buy him a Whopper and watch him eat it on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome, America. Okay. It's Destination Football. I am the Stone Cold Padre, as always. Emanating live, packing his bag in Kentucky is Bob. What's going on, Bob? Uh, how's it going, America? Just in this beautiful city of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I mean Louisville, Kentucky. Sorry. Uh, is the air any different today in Kentucky, or is it still uh, chickeny? Nope. We are still celebrating that big win on Saturday here in Louisville. Fuck off, Bob. How about that? All right, and back with us again is my man, Jake. What's going on, Jake? What's going on, guys? What's going on, folks? Uh, Bobby, I'm not the world traveler you are, so stuck at home again. Yeah, same. Uh, right here in the crib in the office right now, which I share with my cats, which is not fun. Uh, I I agreed to have one cat. I don't want to spill my dirty laundry on the podcast, but uh, I agreed to have one cat, and I have six. Uh, that's what that's what happens when you get married to a, a woman who can't leave a stray cat in the backyard. Okay. Animal lovers. Let's move on and let's talk some news. All right, guys. Well, there was a, a little uh, mismanagement on Monday night by the Denver Broncos that I would love Bob to walk me through because I did not see the end of the game. And I'd love to understand exactly what went down in this Broncos-Seahawks matchup. Yeah, I, I, I felt like it was a complete bizarre series of events. You know, the Broncos had the ball probably – correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, if you were watching. I think they probably got the ball back. There's probably about a minute 30, maybe a little bit more than that. They might have actually been a little bit over the two-minute warning. And they, they seem to be driving down the field pretty well. I know it was uh, third and 15, I believe, Javante Williams got about nine yards on a catch, ended up a fourth and five, probably about the uh, – I think it must have been the 47-yard line. So you're looking fourth and five with 58 seconds left. And, you know, I know I was watching the Manning cast, and Peyton Manning was pleading with them to please call a timeout to continue working on this drive. They did not. They actually continued to let the clock run out all the way to 20 seconds. Um, and it seemed like a pretty good opportunity. You just paid a lot of money for Russell Wilson. You have – Judy and Sutton and Javante Williams um, around him to convert a fourth and five. And they decided to kick a 47 yard field goal in not the easiest place in the world, Seattle, that is one of the loudest, if not the loudest stadium. And uh, the kick was missed. And uh, it was a complete mismanagement, in my opinion, on Nathaniel Hackett, um, which I thought was pretty. Uh, pretty much went with the whole game. I thought Hackett was looked like a guy that should not have a head coaching job. He looked like an offensive coordinator. Um, the Wilson fit did not look good. It looked like it was the same old, same old from what they were last year. Um, and I thought in two minutes, it kind of summarized the whole deal. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, Bob. Nate Hackett's not even a good offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. He was absolutely terrible. And then he went over to Green Bay and was the offensive coordinator for the best quarterback of our generation outside of Tom Brady and benefited from that and got himself a head coaching job. Nate Hackett well, is a terrible coach, awful coach. I agree. I can't believe they hired him in Denver. And he is going to be the biggest reason that Denver Broncos aren't a playoff team like they should be this year. I so just want to agree. Hackett I, could I, have. Jake, 
hold on. I ha- What's just up? before just before Jake goes, I just wanted to make one point, and then I will let Jake uh, get his thought out. But I completely agree. And quite frankly, I think Nathaniel Hackett was hired to bring in a Hall of Fame quarterback. Unfortunately, it was not the Hall of Fame quarterback that ended up coming to the Broncos. He was brought in to convince Aaron Rodgers. They did not get Aaron Rodgers. He decided to stick with Green Bay. They were stuck with Russell Wilson. Stuck, I know, is not exactly the term you use for a Hall of Fame quarterback, but that was not what he was hired to do. Now he's with Russell Wilson. He doesn't have the relationship with Russell Wilson. And after Monday night, I'm convinced that this thing may not work as well as I thought. And I was pretty high on the Broncos when we did the when we did the uh, standings. I thought this thing was going to work. Now I I'm not at that point. All right, let me just hop in here. So I'm I'm going to disagree with both of you here. So the field goal. At the start of the game, they, they punted. Then there was a touchdown, a field goal. Then they had two fumbles in a row, another field goal, and then they missed it. So, realistically, they had one, two, three, four drives where they had over 70 yards of offense, and they just kept coming away short. That end of the game situation also, by the way, started at, with four minutes left. So there was actually way more time than needed. The thing is, I don't know if it's Nathaniel Hackett, or if it was just Russell Wilson getting used to his new offense. I couldn't tell. Um, it just seemed like there was just all this stalling. They couldn't figure it out. And I don't want to just put all the blame on Hackett yet. Um, and then the only thing I will say, which was fully on the fault of Hackett, was just not calling that timeout. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with Peyton Manning here. So that's not me. But I just don't think we should completely throw away Hackett. Um I, I thought they did well in offense. They still had a good defense holding Seattle to 17. It's not like it's hard to hold Seattle, but yet again, they do have players in that team. I don't know. I'm not ready to just throw it away. And they got a lot of offense. It's just a really bad decision there. I do not know why there was no timeout and a try again. Um, I really don't. So that's kind of where I'm at. It was just poor decision making at the end. But I've also dealt with Anthony Lynn with the Chargers for a long time. So I've seen this plenty of times before. And we stuck with that guy for three years. So – I don't know. Give the guy a chance. I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Jay. I do. I mean, I understand you can't, you know, maybe I was getting a little too, too far on writing them off. I guess I just can't understand that 64 yard field goal over going for it on the fourth and five. I mean, that, that one's just tough for me. And I know it's just one call and you're right. I mean, realistically, if Javante Williams doesn't fumble at the goal line, the Broncos probably won the football game and I'm not putting it all on him either, but I'm just saying that there's one play right there that probably completely changes it. So hashtag hack it. Couldn't hack it. All right, let's get into some week two. We're going to start off week two with some start sit decisions. This one is coming from Rob on ESPN, Mike Thomas or Jalen Waddle. Well, as a Mike Thomas fan, believer, and drafter. I will go Mike Thomas here. Um, I'm a, I am like what happened. I like his resurgence. Um, I'm hearing a lot of good things. I know that the chemistry in the locker room was bad for a while there, um, but I just feel like Jalen Waddle's kind of taking the backseat to Tyreek Hill a little bit. It's not like Waddle's not going to get points, but I just believe Mike Thomas may get more touchdowns, may get more receptions, um, and just overall think he's a better choice. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going Jalen Waddle. I like Mike Thomas as a guy that has – I'm two for two in both fantasy leagues with Mike Thomas. I was excited with the two touchdowns. But I don't like the fact that it seems like the the looks to him were very disproportioned. It seemed like down in crunch time they started to look to Thomas, but during the mean of the game they didn't. And I also really like – I hate to spoil alert for later in the podcast, but I really like – this matchup for the Dolphins offense. You know, we talked a lot in the earlier episode this week about Joe Flacco and the Jets running backs. And I think, you know, that short passing offense fits very well with Tua and what Tua is going to want to do. And I think there's an opportunity for success there for the Dolphins. Um, And I think that Waddle could pay dividends. Uh, I'm also going Jalen Waddle, a little bit of a precursor for later on this episode. Not a fan of Mike Thomas this week going up against Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, If you guys didn't know, Mike Thomas 
was the uh, he had the third most snap counts among the wide receivers for New Orleans. So in two in two wide receiver packages, he was not really the one that was on the field. Um, Mike Thomas and Jalen Waddle also had almost identical stats, almost identical stats in week one. Jalen Waddle did all his numbers in the first half. Mike Thomas all his numbers in the second half. The difference there was that Mike Thomas was on the field for all four quarters. Uh, they're running their offense, whereas the Dolphins kind of took their, their foot off the gas pedal after halftime and didn't really throw the ball too much. Uh, I actually really like Jalen Waddle this week, and that is where I would go. All right, this one is coming to us from Greg on Twitter. This is a little bit more of a deep dive, maybe some deeper leagues, maybe taking a shot on one of these guys this week. Eno Benjamin running back for the Arizona Cardinals or Rashad White for Tampa Bay. I would lean Eno Benjamin um, in the sense that I think, you know, playoff Lenny, I think he's going to have a lot of carries. I think he's uh, he's one of those backs where you can just stay in the game. I believe in him. I lie. I've just kind of followed him his whole career. I always thought, like, what what the heck? I was a big fan of him on the Jaguars. So I don't know if Rashad White's going to be doing too, too much. Um, but, you know, Benjamin was sneaking in there. I'm not a James fan. And uh, they need a player to step up, in my opinion, to play another role on that offense from the backfield. And I think Benjamin could be that. So I'd roll that way. This is a deep one, but that's where I've been. Yeah, this is a tough one more for me because, you know, you know, ben Benjamin did get a lot of opportunities in the second half, which I like to see. But, you know, I'm not 100% sure if that's what they would do if the game was competitive. I mean, that was, you know, by the time he was getting a lot of his looks in the second half, it was pretty much foregone conclusion that the Chiefs were going to win by multiple touchdowns. Um, and I am a big Rashad White fan, but, you know, I didn't love um, – he did get a couple opportunities, but – I didn't really like those opportunities uh, against Dallas. So I would lean with, you know, Benjamin. I think I would trust that situation a little bit more. I'm going to make the argument right now for Rashad White. Leonard Fournette was sidelined at practice with a hamstring. Week one hamstrings are never good. That's what scares me off season long for Keenan Allen. It's scaring me off with Chris Godwin when he comes back. And it's scaring me off right now with Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is a typical season-long hammy type guy and having a hammy in week one now week two missing practice that scares the hell out of me he could very well go out there for one carry and come off the field very scary for me and if that's the case i do like rashad white he's a good pass catcher as well you know benjamin does have some standalone value if leonard fournette is not out if he is playing, if if, if the, the injury report comes out Sunday morning and Leonard Fournette is not on it, it's impossible for me to say Rashad White has standalone value if, Rashad, if Leonard Fournette plays the entire game. Whereas Eno Benjamin, I think, does have some standalone value if James Conner is active and playing. So I guess in the end, I'd say if Leonard Fournette does not play for, for Hammy, then go with Rashad White. Otherwise, you know, if they're both the backup for the game, you know, Benjamin probably has more value. All right, this one's coming from Bob. Bob really wants the answer to this. Amari Cooper or Mike, or Mike Williams? You guys are going to know where I'm leaning. But I'm not just leaning because I'm a fan fave here, all right? I'm leaning because Keenan is out. So I feel like the game plan uh, – well, Keenan's doubtful, but out, right? But anyways, I feel like Mike is – Going to get more of the scheme this week. I think just that's how Brandon Staley is. He has a scheme. He has a plan. He has an attack. I, I just fully believe in Mike Williams. I'm not going to just jump off the train because he had one bad game. Um, and I, it's just the quarterback situation with uh, Amari Cooper. And Donovan Peoples-Jones was targeted a hell of a lot by Jacoby Brissett. So there's a, a sense that maybe Amari is not his favorite target. So, yeah, I'm still leaning Mike all the way. Mike Williams, no question for me. Okay, fair enough. Let's give some love to the quarterbacks. Jake's giving us this one. Carson Wentz or Derek Carr? Uh, I would lean towards uh, Wentz. Um, I, you know, the, the Lions defense did not really look very great on Sunday, and uh, they really struggled to stop the pass. 
So I think that there's an opportunity for Wentz. I mean, he was almost one of my um, – what he was almost the guy I picked for the week to, to start because I was just – I thought this was a great matchup for him. You know, Jalen Hurts, who I don't even think Jalen Hurts played that great of a game. I know that might be a hot take, but, you know, he made a lot of big plays that – you know, I think the guy, I mean, at one point he was passing 50% and he was still dominating that defense. And I think that that secondary had a really tough time. And I think with uh, McLaurin and uh, apparently Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson that they might have another long day on Sunday. The question I asked and the reason I put this was because this the uh, guy that was number one on the waiver wire this week, not even number one, I should say like that, but points projected this week was Carson Wentz. He was the top quarterback sitting there. Um, and a bunch of free agencies. Um, and then Derek Carr is that guy you have on the bench. You may not start him. And so it was like, in my head, do you start Derek Carr or do you pick up Carson and go with him? Um, I would still lean Derek Carr. Um, I did not make any moves to get Carson as a backup QB or anything like that. Um, I would still lean Carr um, just because I'm afraid of, uh, you know, Wentz's turnover issues. And, uh, I don't know for this week, I would probably roll Carson. I guess that's what we're talking this week. I just am afraid to pick him up, like pick him up, play him at the quarterback position. That's just a tough go. It was, it's kind of a more nuanced question because I just trying to figure out, would you pick him up and drop Derek Carr and start him? Is that what you would do? Or would you just leave it as is? Well, I I'm having a hard time with Derek Carr because I, you know, I, I said it early this week on the uh, review episode. I mean, he just – he really seemed one-dimensional to me. And I have a hard time believing that defenses aren't going to pick up on that. And if he can't throw it to Devontae Adams, I'm going to need to see him throwing the ball to somebody else. And, you know, I, I I was actually talking to somebody off the podcast about this who's actually a Raiders fan, and, and he said the same thing, that that's what he did when Waller was the number one guy. It was all to Waller. And then now the number one guy is Adams, and it's all to Adams. And it just seems like he does not spread the love around. And, you know, that really concerns me. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. He can make every throw. But if you're locking in on one guy, you're going to get the same result that you saw uh, in the Chargers-Raiders game. I mean, you just can't play quarterback that way. That's fair, and I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to lie. Carson Wentz is a fine play this week, but Derek Carr, if I was responsible for the quarterback start of the week this week, Derek Carr would be my start of the week. Arizona's defense looked absolutely terrible last week. I, I know it was Patrick Mahomes, but Derek Carr to Devontae Adams could be all day. You said he's locking on Devontae Adams. This might be a good week to lock on to Devontae Adams, and it could be a field day for Las Vegas, so I would go Derek Carr here. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning it is Carr. Just to piggy on top, is I, I would still lean Carr. And just to throw on top of one thing about him, and like I said, I hate everybody at, besides the Chargers and AFC West. I will dispute what you said about him just locking on to one guy, considering last year he didn't have that one guy. Waller missed games. He had Renfro, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones. Um, not a fun name to bring up, but Henry Ruggs for a little bit. Um, Foster Moreau. Yeah, but it was Renfro last year. It was Renfro. He was just yeah, he was and just that's, that's what I'm saying. And that's where I'd argue. That's where I'd argue, Jake, is that it was Renfro. It was not those other guys. I mean, I had Brian Adams and or Brian Edwards, and I had um Brian Adams. Jesus Christ, I had Brian Edwards and uh, Henry Ruggs of my fantasy team. Those guys didn't do shit. It was Henry Ruggs and Josh Jacobs ain't catching passes either. I mean, I I think that. I, I really do argue he locks into one guy. And I understand Ramsey's point that he, you know, if you're going to lock into somebody, Devontae Adams might be the best option to do so. But he's got so many options now. And he threw it to Devontae Adams 18 times. I mean, that's crazy. Mahomes, and I understand it's Patrick Mahomes and everything like that. But it, it's just night and day. I mean, Mahomes was spreading the love. And that's, to me, how you run an offense. It's not well, this one-dimensional side and that's what i see with the raiders all the time they can't run the ball they can't really pass the ball very i mean he threw three picks and he threw it to adams 18 times i have such a disagreement here i mean you're talking like that but Devonte adams on the on the packers and everybody was calling the packers offense amazing last year was getting the same amount of targets compared to the other guys on the team 
And again, on car, I will season long last year, he had 603 uh, targets, right? Like that he sent out. 490 went to other players compared to Hunter Renfro. So I understand that it's kind of like, it seems that way, but I've somehow, I don't know how I'm not, like I said, it's just somehow I watch the Raiders a lot. I like Derek Carr. I just have a problem with him not getting in the end zone. He does not throw touchdown passes. That was always my big problem with him. But spreading the love, I would just so much disagree because Devontae Adams is the number one receiver in the league. And once you get him, you get excited. That's his guy from college. That's him coming in, being the number one guy in the NFL. So you can imagine the hype train that brings. And I think that Carr was riding it for that game one. Um, did it pay off? No, because they're playing the Chargers and they're going to lose to the Chargers. But the thing is, you can't just think that, oh, well, this is what's going to happen here every time. I just really, I like Carr. I think he'll spread it out more. Um, I'm still high on him. I just know that people were ready to to abandon ship because of the picks and uh, the loss. So I, I think, know. well, I, I would just, I would finish with, with two thoughts. One, if Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league, I must have missed when Justin Jefferson retired yesterday. And second, one game. I think that the, I think that the Raiders have one of the best receiving options in the league. I mean, when you think about three three guys there with Waller and you got Renthro and you have Adams, I mean, there's a lot of teams that wish they had three options like that. And I don't think – I just I, – I mean, I'll agree to disagree. I just – I don't think – I think he could utilize the other guys a little bit more, and that may create better opportunities for Adams. We're talking about Carr, and uh, Jake, you just gave us the, the targets for Hunter Renfro last, last year. That's almost 20%. Yeah, that's what a number that's one receiver would get. That's incredibly high. No, it's not. That's very high. No, it's not. That's what that's what the best receivers in the NFL get. And t- let me also mention, Derwin James called Hunter Renfro one of the best receivers he's played against. He's a slot guy, and they consistently throw to him. He also had 100 and, let's see here, 128 targets, but 103 catches. His catch race, uh, ratio is insane. So you're going to go to that guy. And the other thing, like I said, it's you had 480 targets. There were Lamar Jackson threw like 500 balls last year. So you have a whole Lamar Jackson repertoire. I know it's the Ravens, right? But you see, hear what I'm saying that are still going to other people. I just, I have a hard time thinking that car doesn't know how to spread it around. I, I like him as a quarterback, to be honest with you. I don't think he's one dimensional in that way. Um, but like you said, agree to disagree. It's week one. We'll see how the season goes. I think Maybe. Derek Carr's a fantastic play this week, though. By the way, again, I think he's the start <laughs> of the week personally at quarterback this week. So uh, play Derek Carr. But uh, I do think he has a little bit of a problem deciding where he's throwing the ball before he throws it, before, you know, before the play. Let's move on to the starts and the sits of the week. All right, starts and sits of the week. Let's start at quarterback with Bob. Who are you starting? Who are you sitting? I'm starting Josh Allen. I, you know, Dan Jones, I, I didn't think he had a great game against the the Titans, but I think that – I think Daniel Jones is a very, very poor man's uh, Josh Allen, and I thought he was able to – I thought they were able to run in general. Saquon obviously had a huge game, and I thought that he was able to throw the ball at times pretty well. I think the one issue that Daniel Jones has is that they do not have one option in the red zone. I think that that was a great reason that he threw that red zone pick. And really the game was close and they won it the last second, but the, the giants clearly were the better team in the second half. um, And they had multiple opportunities to win that game, win that game by more than just one point. And I think that Josh Allen will capitalize on those opportunities because he has the options that Daniel Jones doesn't have, and he's also a far superior quarterback. So I expect that he will have a very good game against the Titans. Daniel Jones, dollar store version of Josh Allen, sure. Yep. And uh, uh, my sit, and my sit is it is Mac Jones. Uh, I was not at all impressed with Mac Jones week one against the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins are far improved, um, but I think that this Pittsburgh defense is very good. I think that this Pittsburgh defense is going to be a huge reason, along with Mitchell Trubisky not fucking anything up, for lack of a better term, that the Steelers are going to be in a position to potentially make the playoffs. They had four picks against the Bengals, 
and the Bengals are obviously a far superior offense than New England, and I think that they should be able to handle uh, the New England receiving core, and I think it's going to be a long day for Mac Jones. Fair enough. Mac Jones also turned up on the injury report this week. Uh, wondering what's going on with him. I'm I just a little word of advice for all fantasy owners out there who are listening to this right now, which is all of America. We all know that all of America is listening right now. If you have Josh Allen on your team, uh, start him. It's a good week to start him. I think every week's a good week to start Josh Allen. All right. Let's move on, Jake. You got the running back starts and sits of the week. Yeah, so um, I uh, made this selection before I found out right before now that uh, Leonard Fournette uh, has the hamstring. Uh, I was thinking about starting him, but we're going to move on. If, if he is healthy, if Leonard, he comes right? off the injury report, then I'd say start Leonard Fournette versus New Orleans. Um, I like him a lot. I think he's a bell cow. Uh, just he's one of my personal favorite running backs. However, if he is on the injury report, look for Dalvin Cook. Um He's always a lock. He's playing Philadelphia. Philadelphia let up a bunch of t- rushing touchdowns, a bunch of rushing yards last week. Uh, Derek Barnett just got put on injury. The defensive line just didn't look as good, um, which was surprising to me. Um, they have somewhat of a, a decent linebacking core now, but I, I just feel like the Eagles kind of looked a little weaker, so I can imagine Dalvin popping off for a big game. Um, and then my sit of the week, and I'm sorry to say this, and I could be dead wrong, but it's Travis Etienne. And I only put him in there because a lot of people are probably still hype on him. But in my personal opinion, sit him this week. Wait till he actually has a good game. He only had a few touches last week. I love James Robinson. Um, I like his personality. I like his style of running. Um, I'd say sit Travis Etienne until he gets those carries. I'm not sure he's going to ever get those carries, I'll be honest with you. Like you said, six touches. Um, Obviously, you know, if you want to know anything about the Jaguars, I'm the guy to, to talk to. Uh, Travis Etienne has, I came and tell you, there was, of his six touches, three of them could have gone for touchdowns. I mean, he was one broken tackle away from breaking 60-yard touchdowns three different times. And then another time he had a touchdown, walk-in touchdown on a pass that he dropped. And then there was another, he should have had another long touchdown where he was wide open on a wheel route. Trevor Lawrence threw it about 15 yards over his head. So Travis Etienne has big play potential, but I do not think he's going to ever see the volume for uh, what was expected to be a solid RB2. I don't think so. I think you're looking at a low-end flex at best for Travis Etienne the rest of the season. James Robinson looked awesome. I don't even understand that man. He was an undrafted guy coming out of college. The way he bounced back and he didn't play in the preseason, hardly practiced, saw no contact until this game. And looked fantastic. It looked like he didn't miss a beat, like he never got injured. I love James Robinson as well. Uh, I would be looking to trade high on Travis Etienne before you can't trade him at all. I I do want to ask one question because I agree. I totally agree with the Etienne one. The one that concerns me at the Fournette, and I I guess this is where the question is going, is that I had viewed the the Saints defense as a very good defense this year. I thought they were going to have a solid defense. Um, so it was interesting to me to see you with picking Fournette but as we saw in week one and we 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 talked about this earlier in the week is that a lot of teams that pretty much what we expected to happen did not happen is there a lack of faith in the Saints defense and Cordero Patterson ran all over the Saints defense this week which is highly I unexpected. agree but that's my question are we using that I mean there's a lot of things that happened this weekend that we didn't expect do we expect long-term concern with the Saints and I know we talked about it earlier in the week about how shitty it is when you have to pick a defense in your fantasy team. But for people that do, if you have the Saints, should you be concerned? Should you be thinking, maybe I want to get rid of these guys right now after uh, week one? I'm a streamer kind of defensive guy. I, I, you know, I don't like defenses on my fantasy roster to begin with, but when I have them, I'm the type who streams. So um, going up against Tampa Bay this week, New Orleans defense would not be on my roster. Yeah, they make me nervous. Um, they have, like, spot names, like the big-name guys, like Demario Davis, Tyron Matthew, Cameron Jordan. I think they got Marcus May from the Jets, although he's a Jet, so that could have poisoned them. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is another guy to consider. Um, I just don't know. Like, their team has weaknesses at spots, but it's an overall really good defense. I really did pick this because of what Ram brought up in the uh, Quarterell Patterson 
a game sure. thinking sure. thinking that if he could pull off of those many yards, um, you know, like I said, playoff Lenny, that guy's a beast in my opinion. So I think he's just a, a good choice this week. But like I said, I don't know if uh, he's going to play because the questionable hamstring. So if not, like I said, back to Dalvin. Although I doubt you have Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette on one team. Possible. Actually, it's very possible. But um, – yeah, that's where I would go instead of Lenny. Hamstrings just scare me, especially, like I said, with a guy like Leonard Fournette who has had nagging injuries like that before where, you know, it, just, it scares me that he's going to get into the game, get a couple of carries and be off the field. That scares the hell out of me. But I think if Leonard Fournette's healthy and good to go, he is matchup proof. There isn't a matchup where I would consider not playing Leonard Fournette. Now, and I'm sorry, I hate to dwell on defense, but Jake, you kind of opened up the door to another question I had because when I was picking my start of the week, I was very tempted to pick Kirk Cousins because of the way that Eagles defense looked at times against the pass. And then you brought up Dalvin Cook. Do you have those same concerns? Because I was a little concerned. And I know that that Eagles secondary should be pretty good, especially when, you know, they've added guys and that D-line usually plays. I know Derek Barnett's out for the year. Are you feeling the same way? Because I was a little, I was really close to picking Kirk Cousins. You talk about the Eagles' defense. Are you concerned about them? Yeah, because yeah. you had mentioned, if I if I recall, you had mentioned Alvin Cook was your second choice, yeah. and my second choice was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think the uh, yeah the Eagles' defense made me nervous. I was very shocked that the, uh, the Lions put up 35 points. Um, I know it was kind of near the end of the game, but the thing that was nuts to me is that um, Jalen Hurts, and I did want to talk about, because I don't know if we are going to bring up Hurts too much, and uh, we didn't really talk about him before. Jalen Hurts played like Jalen Hurts all over again. Sure, he had those yeah. big plays yeah. to A.J. Brown, but the thing is, is that, like, if you watched, I watched that whole game, there's so many plays where he's in the pocket and he rolls out. He rolls out and he looks to pass, and then he runs. And if he keeps running and running and running, it's it's fine. Lamar does it. He does it well. And I like Hurts running. I think he's good, but it's just like he runs off the clock so much. And to put up 35 points after running the ball that many times, it's just worrying for the defense. Like, it's one game, and I'm not going to jump ahead, but to be hyperbolic, I yeah, I'm worried. Their well, secondary is supposed to be honest, good, but if we're I'm talking Hurts, I will say about Hurts is I think Hurts is a huge example of what I said about Derek Carr, where I think he is super one-dimensional. He picks out who he's throwing to, and if that guy's not open, he's running. I couldn't agree more there. prevalent yeah. all the time. I mean, yeah, he wants to run – the second that he could not find Brown at times, and you could see it because he did not throw the ball. Obviously, he didn't throw it to Devontae Smith at all. And then, you know, even Goddard was not targeted too much. It just seemed like panic time, I'm running. And then that was the same That was the same Jalen Hurts as last year. I think the big difference that you saw in the game was he had A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown had a couple huge plays, and he caught a lot of passes. But, you know, as far as a passer, it was the same Jalen Hurts. I think he started the game 11 for 25 and had a lot of yards and a lot of rushing yards. But as far as a passer, he was not impressive. Devontae Smith did have four targets. I just wanted to throw that in there. But I'm I'm very concerned about Philly's defense. DeAndre Swift averaged 10 yards a carry. Uh, they were running the ball at will against the, the, the Eagles defense. And I'm not going to lie, Derek. Uh, Derek Goff had like six yards passing late in the second quarter. So I'm not going to say uh, the Eagles secondary played horrible until they were kind of in a, a prevent defense almost yeah. when the game was a little bit out of hand. Obviously, Detroit came back, had a shot at the end. But for most of the game, it wasn't close. And they kind of backed off their defense. And then Detroit started being able to throw the ball all over the place. But uh, when the game was like, tight and early Jared Goff had six yards passing deep in the second quarter so I'm not discrediting their secondary but for future reference Bob just for the sake of the podcast go with Kirk Cousins because you know yeah we're playing Josh Allen that takes me to the wide receiver start of the week which I'm gonna surprise you guys I know this is not somebody you would have expected which is why I decided to go with him I'm going with Allen Robinson this week taking on the Atlanta Falcons. I spoke, uh, uh, you know, on the previous episode, the 97% snaps. He was running a whole bunch of routes. Matt Stafford just wasn't looking his way, and they lost. I have the utmost faith in Sean McVay to utilize Allen Robinson this week, and I think he could even be a focal point at points in the game and uh, could be due for a big game 
his first big game as a Ram against the Falcons. Well, I think it I think it has to happen. I think for that offense to get to where they need to go, they need that second option. I think they're missing it. I think they had it last year with Cup and OBJ. They didn't really utilize it against the Bills. The Bills were obviously, if not the best defense, one of the best defenses in football. So you kind of got to wash your wash your hands of that game to a degree with how you're going to grade the grade the Rams. But no, I think against an Atlanta team that even though they almost won, I don't think they're particularly good. And I think that it's a fixer week for the Rams. And I think that they really need to get Allen Robinson involved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know we talked about him and said that, uh, that he was on the panic meter, but uh, I think I had him really low on that. I, I like a Rob. Um, I do as well have faith in Sean McVay and um, I'm sure they'll come out and maybe dice up the Falcons this week. So yeah, let's give them a shot this week. They better. Let's go. To clarify, to clarify, I think that the 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 Rams have an opportunity this week. Kind of like Notre Dame, you lost a tough game week one. You play a team like Marshall, you win week. Oh wait, they lost week two. So hopefully, good luck to the Rams. I the hope the wounds they, are they deep better. in yeah. Bob right now. <laughs> the wounds are deep. Never say Bob can't use self-deprecating humor because I can. <laughs> I can hear myself. Let's go. That takes me to my sit of the week, and this is a guy people are very excited about. Uh, you guys just spoke earlier this episode about how excited you were about this guy, and I just do not echo the sentiment. I'm talking about Mike Thomas is my sit of the week, taking out a very good Tampa Bay defense, third most snap counts for wide receivers. I already said that. Nevertheless, five for 52 and had the two touchdowns. Everybody sees the, the fantasy points this week where he finished on the week. And the two touchdowns really stand out. I don't see him getting into the end zone this week against Tampa Bay. And if five for 57 is what you're going to get from Mike Thomas, that is not what you're uh, hoping for starting him as your wide receiver too. And I think five for 57 might even be a stretch. You saw the way Jameis Winston played for three quarters. It, he's going to be playing a significantly better defense this week in Tampa Bay. And we might see that happen for four quarters. Saints might not might not even throw for 150 yards against this defense. Dak Prescott couldn't do it with a uh, you know a better quarterback, better receivers. Uh, I I lied. Take it back. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. He doesn't have better receivers. Who the fuck is Dennis Houston? Who the fuck is Dennis Houston? Get the fuck out of here. But but you know I I think that that's the point and that's why I agree. You know I I have uh, Michael Tom Mike Thomas in uh, both leagues I play in and. I don't really know what to make of this week. You know, Dallas obviously doesn't have receivers. They were forced to cover CeeDee Lamb. Now you see a Saints team that does have receivers, yet the Saints really, for three quarters, didn't utilize them. So it's a super question mark this week. I think you're almost taking, not necessarily a punt, but you're really taking a gamble on Thomas because I could see him being successful. He had a really great final quarter that was the reason he had big points was because of the touchdowns, but he did have five catches and he became a lot more involved, but what's going to happen. I mean, which of the two is going to work out? Can Tampa, can Tampa's defense cover multiple guys? We didn't really see it last week. They were able to stop lamb or are the saints going to get people involved sooner? As we talked, I'm very high on Michael Thomas, Um, but I completely understand where you're coming from on this. Actually, just with that Tampa defense, they got everyone there. There's no injuries. They're fresh and ready to go. They proved that they were good against Dallas. Yeah, it's tough. I would call him a wild card. I wouldn't sit him, um, in my opinion, but he's it's a wild card. Um, and but like like we were talking about is the whole New Orleans team didn't come to live till like the end of the game or near the end of the game, and um, maybe they were just trying to get things figured out. There's the thought process that maybe they're clicking now. The plays were you know coming together. Um, people weren't just falling off or missing, you know, stupid little things because there's so many different assignments that we know that can just, you know, it's hard to, like, get your shit together in the first game. So I, I'm just very, like, up and down on him. I, I think Michael Thomas is going to be a top 10 receiver in fantasy this year. I think he's going to have a great year again. But it's a wild card against Tampa. So No, Bob's a wild card. Wild card. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some streamers. I'm streaming. Oh, I'm gonna stream. 
All right, let's get into your streamers of the week. We're going to start at quarterback again. And Bob, uh, Dak Prescott, he was your quarterback. He's got a boo-boo on his hand. He's going to be out. Uh, you tried to put in that that waiver claim for one of those top quarterbacks. Just didn't get it. Who are you picking up off of waivers this week to start a quarterback? I, I'm going with Daniel Jones. Um, I know in a lot of leagues he's going to be available, but if you're playing in a one-year league, I assume you're, you're going to have a pretty good shot at the Daniel Jones. I was impressed with, you know, I know there's uh, 330 million people in America. All of them listen to Destination Football, so they're all aware right. of that. I was, uh, I was very high on the Daniel Jones, Brian Dable, Saquon Barkley connection a couple months ago. Preseason kind of wore me out. But I was high on Daniel Jones. I thought Daniel Jones played a pretty good game for week one with Brian Dable's system and what Saquon Barkley was doing. It wasn't a perfect game. I know he didn't get the bit, the best PFF grade or anything like that. But I thought I saw in a little bit of an evolution with Daniel Jones. I think what he's missing is obviously someone to help him in the red zone. But I like this matchup with Carolina. I thought Carolina opened the door for Baker to get a little bit mobile. He scored the rushing touchdown. I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to score a rushing touchdown, but Daniel Jones took advantage a couple times against the Titans and ran the ball a little bit. And I think that Carolina could open the door for that um, again. So I'm, I'm rolling the dice on uh dirty Daniel dimes. Danny dimes streamer of the week. All right, Jake. Well, uh, you got, uh, hold on. Is there a running back that's hurt? I was trying to do a whole thing here. I'm trying to do a bit. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette. Leonard. All, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Jake. Your start of the week, Leonard Fournette. It turns out his hammy. It's a little bit more sore than anticipated. Saturday morning rolls around. It turns out he's out. Who are you looking to pick up off of waivers and start this week in his place? Yeah, I think I have the easiest one in my opinion right now, just being uh, Rex Burkhead. Uh in my league, he's uh rostered about 35% of the time. And I think he's an easy pickup. Um, we saw how the carries went. I actually like them against – so this is my thought, my theory here, right, against Denver. So J Justin Simmons is out now. I can't name – I think Kareem Jackson is a name I remember at strong safety. Um, their linebacking core, I mean, they run a 3-4. So they're going to have their inside backers having to cover the running backs. And I think that's an opportunity for Rex Burkhead to get a lot of catches out of the backfield. I see Davis Mills going to him quite a bit. And if he can get the same amount of carries that he did last week, maybe add a touchdown in there, I think everybody will be surprised. Not surprised, but I think everybody will be happy with the points that he'll bring in. Certainly. I mean, especially with a streamer. I mean, if Rex Burkett can give you 10 points, that's pretty good. And if he uh, gets five patches, you're well on your way to way more than that. So I don't mind it, you know, if you're really in a pickle. But I hope to God I never have to start Rex Burkett. Nevertheless, uh, moving on to the wide receivers, I, you know, I have Keenan Allen on my team and I just had to put him on IR. He's not going to play this week. So I'm going to go ahead and put, pick up his replacement, Josh Palmer, who's rostered on 36% of ESPN leagues. I think this is a big week for Josh Palmer. He had one start last year where Keenan Allen was not active and he was a top 24 wide receiver. Give me Josh Palmer this week on Thursday night and what should be a shootout with Kansas city. And uh, I'm going to let that ride. This could be a big, a big spotlight for Josh Palmer in prime time. Yeah, I love that. You know, I love that. You both know. I love Josh Palmer myself. I think he's going to be good. I mean, DeAndre Carter's kind of taking some of the uh, spotlight away from him. That's my worry. But watching him in the preseason, Palmer was probably the best player, the best receiver on that offense. I think he's a great pickup. I even consider picking him up with my last pick in the uh, the draft this year, just because it's there's a potential that he actually has a huge season with Herbert maybe throwing for more than 5,000 yards this year. So, All right, let's finish it off with some bold predictions. All right, let's finish it off with some bold predictions. I'm going to start it off since I didn't start off any of the other segments. Trey Lance is going to be a top five quarterback this week against Seattle. Here comes the bounce back. Trey Lance is going to run for 100 yards and two touchdowns, and he's going to be a top five quarterback. Bob, I will let you take this one because I want to hear what you have to say about it because I might have a really bold take on this. I like that Seattle defense on Monday. I don't agree, but 
Well, it's a bold prediction. I'm not no, like saying well, what it's going to happen. Say? What do you want me to say? You want me to say, sure? I mean, no, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a top five quarterback next week. Seattle yeah. looked pretty good. Their defense played. I mean, they could have given up more points, but they played. So, no, I don't think he's going to be a top five quarterback. But, yeah, it's a bold prediction. So, sure. you whatever. I bet you offer. It's a mighty bold prediction, and here's my bold prediction. We see Jimmy G come into that game in the second half, and Trey Lance takes a back seat again. There's my bold prediction. I that really so stupid. I really don't. I know it would be. I'm just being bold yet again. Hey, just Is being it? crazy. I'm not, I just, I'm not even sold on that. But <laughs> I'm not. I don't sold think on you that. pull a guy four starts into his career. I don't yeah, think you two do start. That. I think that that's so dumb. No, it's just four oh, start. Yeah, yeah, so in stupid. his career. Sorry, he's so yeah. dumb. Like I understand the sentiment. I could see like week eight, week nine, if he hasn't figured it out, making that happen. But four starts into There's his career. No chance. Oh no my chance. gosh, no chance it goes that long. No chance it goes that long. If they are, if they're losing, if they have a losing record by week five, he ain't the quarterback. No chance. That's windows. So, that's that, foolish. Windows not that big. Windows not that big. Like I said, I'm being bold. I don't know. I don't think he get benched. It's just there's, in my opinion, there's a such a low shot at him being a top five guy with just the way his passing production was. Well, and on top know. of that, because he was, what's a, he, gonna, he was a top ten quarterback he's in, his one, in his start last year. Okay, top but my 10. point. My point is that their run game is going to be who? Debo Samuel next week. It's going to be Jeff Wilson, be Jeff right? Wilson and Ty Davis-Price. No, it's going to be Jeff – it's what it says on the depth chart. It's going to be Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel, and then it's going to be some mix of Trey Lance doing the option, and then maybe he has 200 yards, and maybe he gets in the end zone a couple of times. Right. It's all rushing. Okay. I'm not insinuating he's going to throw for 304 touchdowns, but if he runs for 100 yards and two touchdowns, that'll get him up there close to top five. That's a possibility, but bold, bold. That's my middle name. Jake, give us your bold prediction this week. All right, my bold prediction, um, a little less bold, I'll be honest, but uh, it's Cordero Patterson. Again, has over 100 total yards, one-plus touchdown. I'll increase that to two-plus touchdowns. And the Falcons take down – this is more of the bold prediction – take down the L.A. Rams, and it's going to be a surprising 0-2 start for last year's Super Bowl champs. I, just I was think, about to get mad. I don't know. I was about to get mad because I was going to say, are you telling me it's more believable to you that the Falcons are going to beat the Rams than Trey Lance could be a top five quarterback? I think, okay, if you say that, I think it is more believable the Falcons beat the Rams than Trey Lance is a top five Oh, my five gosh. Quarterback. I hope Trey Lance is top five this week. So I, I rub it and I hope the Falcons next week. It's going to turn me on. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Falcons look like a really good team. The Rams look like a really bad team last week. And I'm just going off of this bold prediction. And if I was to just, okay, without any type of like looking at like the team, the rosters, and just watching those games, I would lean towards the Falcons. They looked great. They looked like their team was together. The Rams didn't. A, we talked about it. A-Rob couldn't get his shit together. His shit together. It's more Matt Stafford, A-Rob connection. I, won't, I don't want to blame Allen Robinson. But it, it, there, there's some disconnect there, well, to say the least. And we talk about going to one guy. I mean, all you have to do is guard Cooper Cup on that team, and I mean, you might be good. Darrell Henderson, Darrell Henderson is an eh, is an eh running back. He's much better than all of us as an athlete, but in the NFL, he's eh. Cam Akers can't get his shit together. What's going on there? There's just some question marks, and I think you know the Falcons under Ari Smith, former Tennessee Titan guy. I like him. I watched, like I said, I always give shout outs to different. I like busting with the boys. Big Tennessee fan, so I've known about Ari Smith. He was on there once liked his persona, and I want to see him do well for Atlanta. So this is my bold prediction for you. Listen, if you spot me two seconds, I bet you I can beat Daryl Henderson in the 40. <laughs> I'll give – okay. I'll give that to you. Spot me I'd two love seconds, to watch that. <laughs> I'll probably still lose. All right. Bob, give us your bold prediction and send us home. My – my bull prediction is that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come in in the second half and he's going to lead him 49. <laughs> no, that, no, that's not my bull prediction. My bull prediction is that everyone's favorite quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, is going to throw for 350 yards and two touchdowns this week. I think the matchup really plays in his favor. I know the Ravens have a good defense, but 
they did uh they give up they gave up a lot of short passes which is obviously two is bread and butter i think that there's a good opportunity for hill there's a good opportunity for waddle i think that Tua can have a good day um even though you know everyone likes to make a joke on twitter about his long ball accuracy at times the guy is very good in the short passes he's very accurate and i think that he can take advantage of that Ravens defense. And I think the Dolphins are going to win. I do not think the Ravens will beat the Dolphins. I actually like this a lot. I'm not going to argue too much with this one, to be honest with you. Um, looking at what Joe Flacco did last week, I know they didn't win, but I'm just talking about more the completions, ability to get the ball around. I know it was a lot to the running backs, but I think that uh, Tua is much better. Um, he's got a lot better uh, weapons. And I could see the two touchdowns for sure. Um, 350 yards is quite a bit, but the Ravens did lose Fuller. Um, I, li- I, actually, I actually like this pick. I could see it happening, but a lot of people would ever doubt Tua could throw for that many yards in the NFL. My dynasty team desperately needs this bold prediction to come through this week. So thank you, Bob. Let's speak this into existence. Tua Tagovailoa, 350 and two. Tua Tagovailoa, 350 and two. Tua Tagovailoa, 350 and two. Come on, universe. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on the week two ahead? Very excited. Do you guys know that there's two Monday night games this week? Yeah, I saw that. Kind of weird. Um, but I think they've done that in the past. It was just uh, – I wish they'd – Yeah, well, I, I, okay. I wish they'd Well, there's that. Now. And then question, maybe I'm an idiot. I'm not the most technologically savvy guy. The game tomorrow is not on TV, is it? Not on, not on cable. Yeah, you have to have Amazon. We got two Prime. games on Monday playing simultaneously, and we got – I'm almost positive it's also available, not a sponsor, on NFL Plus, which is a new subscription service from the NFL, which is $4.99 a month. Bob, we're in the future. We're in the future now, okay? This is is what streaming technology is going to be. Wait till Netflix has the NFL. Wait till Netflix. I'm going to end this right now by saying I am the youngest guy on the podcast and also the way oldest guy on the podcast. So, Bob, you're you're actually older than me. And I'm I act way older than Ramsey, so it's a very tough yeah. scene. So surprising the children. <laughs> um, I just want to end this podcast by saying how very extremely on I can't even put it into words how excited I am that DirecTV's deal for the NFL Sunday ticket is over at the end of this season, and more people can actually watch NFL Sunday ticket because the stranglehold DirecTV has had on that subscription service has been a travesty to the the integrity of the NFL viewers. I tried to sign up for it this week and it told me it wasn't available at my address. The only way I could do it was by signing a 24-month agreement for a DirecTV cable service. Get out of here, DirecTV. Go home. You're drunk. I hope you're out of business in in a year. Get out of here. I can't wait until it's available on other streaming services next year. I heard a rumor about Amazon. I heard a rumor about Apple TV. I don't give a shit which one it is. Give it to us. Let it cost less than $99.99 a month because that's bullshit also. And let us watch some freaking football. Preach. Preach. Destination football. 